This is NRL Boom Rookies. Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of NRL Boom Rookies. As you can probably tell, I am not Matt Bungard. My name is Dale and I'll be your host this week. I'm joined as always by the man himself, Mitch Doyle. Are you doing well, my son? I am. As you can tell, I am still Mitch Doyle. And uh, yes, I'm here. The Bungard cowardice couldn't handle the expansion of the game. Couldn't handle the takes. He was a man burnt by expansion once before. And now he doesn't want to talk about another team. (laughs) Being folded. It's a it's a personal topic, and we understand that you know these things take time. And uh, South's getting kicked out of the game was twenty years ago, and some wounds are slow to heal. But joining us to talk about the topic uh, du jour of expansion teams uh, is uh, is Liam, better known on the tweets at Pythago NRL. Liam, how you doing, mate? I'm good. Hey, how is everyone listening? Oh well. You know, we're happy to have you here. This is a topic that's pretty close to our hearts, so it's something that we wanted to have an expert on. And uh, and you are the foremost <laughs> expert in all things rugby league, according to your, according to the fact that you tweet with lots of numbers. Therefore, you know lots of things. That's how it works. You've got Mitch here who tweets with lots of numbers. I do lots of opinions, and thus I'm an idiot. I, I don't know the last time UED. I actually tweeted with numbers. It's more of an aggression <laughs> these days. Yeah. Particularly this topic, um, it's been a lot of angry tweeting in the early hours of the morning. Yes. Um, But the topic that we are discussing today is the rise and demise of the Toronto Wolfpack, everybody's favourite English Super League team. Uh, (laughs) And those who don't love Emphasis on English. Very big emphasis on English. (laughs) Yeah. Toronto is a, you know, it's a part of England, if uh, the uh, Crown will have, have you believe that. Um, but yeah, as I said, we're discussing the the rise and demise of the Toronto Wolfpack and and kind of where, um, you know, a bit of a history lesson and, and things going forward if they are to go forward. But um, we we should really start at the beginning, I guess, and um, talk about the, do we want to talk about the, the beginning of, of like the expansion of the Super League or do we want to talk about just the be- just the beginning of the Wolfpack per se? Uh, I don't know if we've got time to go back to 1895. Yeah. Let's, anyway, let's so there was 12 back. men and they went to a pub <laughs> and they were really angry about not getting paid. No, I, I digress. You know, we, we all know the stories of like the Super League was founded in 96. Um, there was a team from France, Paris Saint-Germain, that was in the te- in the competition at that point because, you know, all things French at the end of the 90s were, were very hip. Anyway, and then Princess Diana died and that put, uh, put a <laughs> dot on that one. So the English weren't too happy with the French, so they got rid of Paris Saint-Germain. Anyway, t- 2006, <laughs> Catalan come into the Super League. The only non-English team aside from Crusaders, who used to play in North Wales, if I remember correctly. Uh, but yeah, aside from them, uh, Catalan have been the only non English team in the Super League up until this point, but then we come to uh, we come to what 2014, and the the nascent uh, Toronto Wolfpack is is conceived, I guess. Yeah, so there's, um, I guess it was probably started with Eric Perez, who's a background in advertising and found himself as the head of Canadian Rugby League. Not really sure how he found rugby league as a Canadian, obviously wasn't exposed to it. It must've just been one of those chance things that happened. Um, but he was first pitching the idea of having a Canadian team in the RFL system, if not super league itself in 2014. 
Um, it took a couple of years of negotiations to actually get it across the line. So it was announced um, in 2016 that there'd be a Toronto team. Um, and Eric or Perez is going to be was the head of the um, bid at that time. Managed to pull together a group of rich men who wanted to be parted from their money by the looks of it. So David Argyle was the sort of the front man of that group, but I think there was about another 10 other investors in the background. We never really found out who they were, um, but Argyle became the, the chairman. He was the, the face of the Wolfpack the first couple of years. Um, they also brought on Brian Noble as director of rugby, Paul Rowley as a coach initially, and then um, Martin Vickers, who was formerly from involved in Salford and Crusaders, um, the former expansion club Al mentioned earlier, um, to get the club off the ground. Yeah, um, I remember being uh, beyond excited and confused <laughs> by a Canadian team entering an English competition when it first started. Because obviously, mm. when I first heard the mentions of it, I didn't really take it that seriously that there was a, a Toronto team bidding for the Super League. But I guess we'll get it's going to be a long theme of this whole podcast, but money spoke at the time and they kind of found their way in and they made a lot of promises that they've regretted, they'll regret in 2020. And a lot of, you know, they, they put a lot on their own back in terms of paying the fly teams over all that kind of stuff, but it became a reality and they started in a lower, lower level league, but I was like instantly, I think every rugby league diehard, you know, over here. And I think, you know, proper diehard, even if you'd have an interest in the super league, you had an interest in the Wolfpack from the day it started. Cause from the day it started as well, they kind of started, Signing up guys that you know are the rugby league diehards' favorite, former favorite player. You know they, they went after you guys, like your Fui Fui Moi Moi's, like your Dave Taylors, like those players over the years, and like they were just immediately interesting. And you know, it just I feel like I tracked their progress from the the day it started, and not as well as I would have liked to the last year. I really didn't think they were going to get kicked out <laughs> when they were early in the year, obviously. But yeah, I, I I wouldn't say I fell in love, but I fell in lust with the Wolfpack when they came, became a thing. I don't know, I don't know about you, Liam. Um, I was only just sort of starting to really get deep dive into rugby league as um, Toronto became a thing. So my journey is their journey in a sense that as they get deeper into it, so did I. Um, I didn't really have a whole lot of conception, but when you discover that there is a Canadian team out there playing in the third division of England, that's pretty wild, really. Yeah. And I still remember back to the days, and I know he left this year, but, like, guys like Liam Kay are in, in, like in, entrenched in my, my memory of rugby league the last four or five years because he's, like, the most Wolfpack player in my mind. He played, like, 150-odd games for them, and I don't yeah. know how many tries he scored in that period, but I feel like it was 150-odd as well. I was going to say, when you look back at the teams that they were playing against, <laughs> who, you know, worked at pubs and, like, mines through the week, yeah. like, the fact that they were winning by, like, 50 points every week, yeah, he probably was scoring 150 tries in 150 games. Like, that is perfectly, perfectly logical. And that wouldn't be out of, wouldn't be, uh, wouldn't be out of the question. Yeah, but um, that David Argyle though, like, obviously his story gets interesting the whole way through. But if people don't know, like, he's an Aussie, right? I think he's West Australian. So West Australian, yeah. So he doesn't even have a, a rugby league background. He, 
I, I, I genuinely have no idea how you got mixed up. In it. There's a lot of those guys that, uh, as you said, mixed up in this this bid, the ones who brought the money. I have no idea they're linked to rugby league and how that was their first introduction to the thing. And and to be fair, for guys that seem like outsiders, until you know 2020 or so, they'd actually done a really good job in mind in, in my mind of you know building a club, building a foundation, getting international interest, building mm. a game day experience. They, they they ticked a lot of really good boxes for guys who came from the outside, and that's also probably what drew drew me to them as well. Was like, I'm sick of rugby league insiders. Like rugby league people don't try new things. Yeah. They just don't, and like you know, we're happy. Like the the whole stadium shit in Australia right now, when we're going back to the garbage grounds, we want to build local grounds up and places of urban footy forever. Is like just another example of this. But like Toronto did a game day experience, and like mm. the first time I saw them doing actual game day shit, and I was like, oh wow, these guys understand it. Like rugby league games is not supposed to be just going to watch rugby league. It's supposed to be having a day out. Yeah, mm. like that's what I started yeah. to realize to take them seriously and really started to think like this club in a couple of years might be one of the biggest things in, you know, world rugby, let alone world rugby league. I thought at that time and, you know, they didn't end up getting there, but I th- they looked like they're on the way there at the start of the year when they, when they landed Sonny Bill. And that feels, that feels five years ago that they had that much money that they could land Sonny Bill. I mean, in fairness, March feels like it five does. years ago. So that is, <laughs> that is fair. So uh, as, as you said, uh, they got, they got a, a bunch of uh, well, relatively well-known rugby league people on. Um, to to kind of look after the the playing side of things, and then as you say, uh, Argyle and Perez, who were the uh, the brains and the wallets behind the whole thing, uh, and they were they were what accepted into the into the English uh, rugby league system in two thousand and seventeen, uh, and needless to say, a team of professionals playing against bakers <laughs> went quite well. <laughs> There's literal farmers, literal yes. farmers. <laughs> So the, uh, I guess if you don't 2017, know, 2017 wasn't it? Oh, I'm going to go and have a look at some of these teams because I'm not yeah. sure that they're actually real places. I think that you've made some of them up. <laughs> if you don't know, the third division of English football is at best part timers, but mostly amateurs. Mm. Um, that year, they had clubs like Oxford and Gloucestershire, who I'm pretty sure folded at the end of that season, possibly beaten into oblivion by the Wolfpack. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's a bunch of really old relic. Clubs like Keithley, mm. Cumbrian clubs like uh, Workington Town, they're still they're hanging on after they've been around, but you know you got to wonder how much longer. They have they have some of these really as as you say they have like it's it's kind of a mix of like new teams. So Ottawa, who obviously is a Canadian team, are looking to start in 2022, and they'll be um, accepted into the bottom. Uh, tier of the pyramid which would be league one but you've got kind of these teams like west wales who play in Lanelli, or uh well it would have been um toronto um who were very very new kind of post 2000 teams or you've got like rochdale who were formed in 1871 and barrow who were formed in 1875 and there's not really i mean there's a few like kind of late 90s teams but other than that there's really no in between it's either like teams who are very clearly like cut from the cloth, you know, the same cloth of the people that would have been playing there a hundred years ago, very, very home ground, very, you know, local boys who work down the pits and then play footy on the weekend. Um, I could also just be describing the Knights, but um, 
it, it was either that or the kind of new money that came through with the Wolfpack. And, and as you said, like if you have blokes who are kind of earning a living away from the field who turn up on the weekend to get flogged by many good players, then, then like there's no, uh, it was, it was very, it was a bit of a procession, I think would be the easiest word. Yeah. It seems like a bit of a waste of time in retrospect making, um, I mean, they had Reese Jacks. Let's not get ahead of ourselves, but what you would describe as professional footballers go through the motions of smashing all of these. <laughs> it was just a foregone conclusion before the season started. Yeah, it was. They what they won their first game seventy six nil in the league <laughs> league one. But I think yeah. that that you know, their first home match they they had six and a half thousand fans there or so. It doesn't sound like much many fans. But that's enough fans to get you in the Super League. You know, the Super League, some yeah. Super League teams don't average that much of a crowd. And the the team bidding to go in next year only has to average like over 2,000 people or something to get in to replace them. But it was like from day dot, they, they had crowds over there. Not Again, not a great crowd, but it was League One. It was third division over there. I don't know. If, I don't know what world you have to be in to get that kind of crowd at like a Ron Massey Cup game here. Mm. You know, <laughs> Like, I have no idea. It's, and some of the guys I had there, I can't remember the full squad. Like, Liam K is on, I remember. But there was a there was a guy who went from, did he go from Ron Massey? You, you probably know, Liam. There was a guy, a Yankee. Yeah, Ryan Burrows. That's him. Yeah. <laughs> I know that because he's on the on the notes. Oh, well, there you go. I should refer to the notes you wrote. <laughs> <laughs> so he, I know he went from Wentworthville. And then there's a couple other guys there that went over there. Like, yeah, as you said, if they weren't full-blown professional footballers all, then they at least like, played a competitive level and went and played against farmers. But, you know, mm-hmm. Wolfpack, you know, they, they financially supported them, themselves the whole way through that as well. Mm-hmm. And that's and that's the crazy thing is, like, as you say, with the, uh, with the supporting of themselves throughout this process, like they were paying for teams to come to Canada and I know that obviously that this was made a lot easier in the early days. I think they were sponsored front of shirt sponsored by an airline, but um, as I said, like they were paying for teams to come all the way to Toronto um, and stay there. So like they were obviously, they were obviously not short of a quid. Um, but yeah, as we said, they, they, they ran the league uh, and then they were promoted the next season to the championship, which they also did quite well in needless to say. That was 2018. They went up to the championship, which is the second tier. Mm. So that previous season, they'd gone through losing a single game in 24, um, just one to York City Knights, who are now in the championship as well. Um, and then in 2018, they started the year with the promising signings of Dave Taylor, Fui Fui Moi Moi, and Ryan Bailey, um, who never played a game for the Wolfpack because they were all. Dropped after a training camp <laughs> in January, which is possibly the most rugby league story imaginable. Mm. Yeah, and, and we never got the full story of what they did, did we? But no, if you mentioned it, that they paid. So through even through that first season, the Wolfpack paid for all TV production in Sky. In Sky, sorry, they paid for it in Canada. They paid for. Could you imagine, like? Again, that level of footy, we might be able to play that level of footy that played against the Wolfpack. Yeah. Getting flown to Canada. You're like... Yeah. <laughs> you're like it's like, imagine, I, I know that, like, imagine Glebe, who yes. play in the, th- the third division of New South Wales Rugby League, so they play in what, like, Sydney Cup. 
Uh, imagine them getting flown to like China for a game. Mate, you'd be queuing up if you if you but, retired two years earlier. You're like you're calling up the coach of the club, like, mate, look, I'll come out retirement. A couple had, of games. I've for had you. a second wind. I just feel the need to play rugby league again. <laughs> yeah, that was just insane. Like, I'm, I reckon, like, you know, you'd be hard pressed to find NRL teams to offer to pay for other clubs to fly to Brisbane. You know, oh, like, of course, for a game, hard pressed. They, they I mean, that. this is this this that whole uh, the whole paying teams to fly there is very Western Reds. Uh, that's what yeah. eventually that's what eventually killed them. Um, but yeah, as you said, they they did sign some. Uh, physically and figuratively big names in Dave Taylor Fui Moi Moi and Ronald <laughs> I did, I mean, like, it to, to show that Taylor went back to play for the Capras kind of shows you what kind of level we're talking about. Like, Capras are one of the worst Queensland Cup teams, if I remember correctly, over the last but three years. I would say the worst. The worst, yeah. But, yeah, signed, signed a few players. Um, podcast favourite, Josh McCrone. <laughs> Uh, yeah. Big shout out to big shout out to Dave for abusing his family, uh, <laughs> and uh, and Ashton Sims, as you said, so, and and Chase Stanley attended rugby league while while injuries happened around him. I'm sure. Yeah, and the, and Ryan Bailey, if you remember who he is, he played like a bazillion games for Leeds Rhinos. You probably remember him if you saw a photo of him and you watched rugby league 15 years ago. You know who Ryan Bailey is. So that was a decent ish signing as well for them, but none of them play. But yeah, as you said, I think Ashton Sims kind of became a big part of the, the image of the Wolfpack over the, the years following that. Cause he was quite a vocal supporter, obviously mm. of what they're doing, but I know he's often would, he would mention publicly how much like, like how much better he found game days over there, how good of, how good it is there, how it's actually supported in the community and how much it grew in his time there. Like very much outspoken, you know, pro Wolfpack. And I know it's easy to say a player, you know, playing for the team is pro Wolfpack, but he's a guy who a lot of those guys, you know, if you go to the Wolfpack, maybe you're not going there for anything but the paycheck and to mm. live in Canada, but he'd come from playing in the NRL for a long time. He played in England. He understood, you know, the, the step up they were kind of trying to make rugby league take. And, and I mean, like he, he's, he's a very visually striking man. So like two, <laughs> two casual observers of rugby league, especially from, from a Canadian point of view, if you Mate. see a bloke who looks like Ashton Sims just hurting people. Mate, it's great like, to put a marketing material. I enjoy I enjoy watching this man brutalize amateurs. Let's I'm going to go yeah. to these games. Uh, and, and we should mention that they were actually playing at uh, Lamport Stadium, which is in the middle of Toronto. It's, uh, it's down in exhibition, like down in, I think, the exhibition quarter, which is down near where... Uh, Toronto FC and the Toronto Argonauts. So the MLS and CFL teams play and it's one, it's, it's a synthetic, um, synthetic surface, but like it's, it was a, like it's in the middle of town. So it's like really easy to get to and they made it their own stadium. It's only, it's only a little like 9,000 seater, 10,000 seater, but it would be like if, you know, like Concord Oval was in the middle of Sydney and like one team just made it their ground. It was a little cute little ground, a little bit weird, but like it had had its own place, and and that was that's one of the big things with from what I've read at least with their game day experiences was they wanted to keep things small but keep things like they made that their own ground, um, and like it's a practice field for other sport, but like while the Wolfpack were in existence, Lamport Stadium was Lamport's uh, was a Toronto Wolfpack's home ground. Yeah, and they put in beer gardens all down mm. there on the outside. That's my, my vivid memories of when I mm. think of that stadium. It, it's not a pr- pretty stadium when it's empty. 
It's yeah. concrete and ugly. But it's very, when... it's very like high school, uh, high school gridiron. Like it's just yeah. concrete stands, no roof. But like as you say, they they put the time and not necessarily the research, but the brain power into being like, what goes really well with footy? Beer. Beer. Exactly. But like my memories, and I know that probably isn't all accurate, but because like you know the photos going on social media are generally you know the beer garden and similar. It's like every time I saw photos from the game or watch games, mm. like, holy shit, that beer garden was packed. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. That's it. There's tents out there. And you look at it and you're like, yeah, geez, these guys got that right. I go to rugby league games. I can buy a fucking Iron Jack or a Great Northern or something. Yeah. But Toronto Wolfpack have a craft beer beer garden in their stadium. Okay. <laughs> There's definitely <laughs> a lot of envy in that. But that that next season, they um they truly romped romped that year the championship they they know they went on to get to lose that million pound game i think we all thought they'd piss that in but they got they romped the championship that whole season and, and like i was yeah i think we all thought they'd be in there 2019 and it's in the super league but i think because they played that game in toronto i think it was known as the six hundred seventy thousand dollar game <laughs> um <laughs> but yeah as you said they lost that game four two in uh one for the purists we'll it was in toronto as well period, yeah. right in Toronto, yeah. yeah. That uh, peak period where you could just smother somebody out of the game, and that's yeah. what London did. Yeah. And and Maple Leafs fans were like, oh, we're used to watching our team lose 4-2. This is good. <laughs> I like this sport. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and as I said, obviously, they didn't go up because they weren't promoted through the Million Pound game. Well, that was back in the Super 8 days as well, mate. Like, that doesn't – that's gone now for promotion relegation, but they, they did well enough in Super 8s to play the Million Pound game. Like, yeah. They'd actually finished fourth, I think, ahead of um, ahead of London, and they'd beaten Leeds and Wisners, who were both Super League teams, to get there. Um, yeah, the insane system that they have that that wasn't enough to get promotion. They needed to go beat London, which they didn't do. And we were talking about uh, we were talking about crowds in this kind of period, uh, two thousand and eighteen. So as we mentioned, Toronto with their quaint little ground have a home home crowd average of nearly seven thousand in the second tier. The next largest is is Lee with three and a half thousand, and then two and a half thousand. Where did you find those? Lee? And then down where to Toulouse, two thousand four hundred. Tenants of the championship. Rugby League Project has it. That's amazing. So <laughs> I don't think I've ever seen that. One of the teams averaged five hundred people there, and I reckon that's a goddamn lie. <laughs> yeah, that's very that's very Newtown Jets. There were there were not you know there were not several thousand people there that day. Uh, but big shout out to uh, to Tetley Stadium. Yeah, uh, in Dewsbury. But this lets you understand the scale of what you're dealing with of the teams that are bidding mm. to replace them. Is that they're hoping for teams that average over three thousand. That's yeah. that's the scale of the team that's going to replacing these guys for whatever reason. Yeah, and the big thing that um, people, critics threw at the Wolf Pack was that, you know, they were getting crowds in, but they were free tickets and they were, people weren't paying for it. But even if half that crowd is not paying, who cares? Like, they're still getting 3,000 more than the next best team in yeah. the division for a sport no one's heard of in Canada. And, and even if they're not paying for tickets specifically, like, think about how much revenue that's bringing in on a game day. <laughs> In like, the craft beer garden. Yeah, exactly. If, you, if you've got 6,000 people, half of them drink a beer, you know, you're paying $5 for a beer, there's there's a shitload of money. I know, obviously, you've got overheads and stuff like that, but, like, all the signage around the ground, you've got all these eyes on TV because they were being broadcast into the UK and Canada. 
um that they're going out on effectively the, the equivalent of like abc sport um cbc sport as they call it over there i think you mentioned yeah um like yes they're doing their own tv production yes it's probably a little bit weird for for english fans to sit at home and watch that but like think how many free eyeballs they're basically getting on this product and and canadians like rugby is relatively like it's not a big game but like the cfl is the second biggest sport over there after hockey um and they like people like violence and like people like you know cool athletic shit and all these teams down the bottom your, your sheffields and your batleys and all these other battling teams um like imagine how much brand exposure they're getting for those like think how many people are seeing tetleys pretty canadian <laughs> people don't even drink. they're like what's this strange beverage as I said, so like uh, they may not be getting six thousand paying tickets every week, but I, like, I, I that brand exposure is I, exactly that brand exposure is priceless. It's the same thing. I hear I remember hearing that every now and then when people bitch about like the attendances for Origin or something. Oh, yeah. they gave away ten thousand free. It's like, oh, should they just left those ten thousand empty then? Should have they? Yeah. It's like no people go like, how do you think a new team in a new market is going to grow? Yeah, they get. Well, they don't got to charge hundred dollars a ticket, are they? It's the same thing with the BBL. It's like, oh, it's ten dollars. Ten dollars for an adult, five bucks for a kid. Buy ten beers, catch the bus home. You know, I mean, you don't you don't necessarily make the money on tickets. And you couldn't pay people to go to ANZ every other week over here to watch a game. And and people bitch about free tickets. Free tickets, I couldn't care less. But as you said, Liam, like it's really easy to pick apart all the Wolfpack mistakes when you're trying to tear them down, like any, like mm. anything it is. It's really easy to, to say, oh, they gave away free tickets or they didn't fulfill the promises from when they first entered the competition, all that kind of garbage. But, you know, it's – and we'll get to this, but it's very much like English Rugby League, almost all those teams have gone fucking insolvent. Almost all of them yeah. made bad financial <laughs> decisions. And it was so funny hearing the reasons why – this team can't come back when almost all of them have made worse decisions than them over their yeah. history. But because they're British and they're north of a highway, it's okay. Mm. Uh, so we move on to 2019, as we mentioned. Uh, the well, the- before we get into 2019. Oh, yes, we do have to we, mention one thing. We have the absolute high point of the Toronto Wolfpack experience, which mm. is tried to buy a stake in the London Scholars. <laughs> this is a, a League One team one of two, quote-unquote, professional teams in London. Um, yeah. They're going to take a 25% stake, which, 25% stake, which is the maximum you can have without it being a significant interest, according to the RFL rules. That makes complete sense, of course. Yeah. So they're going to use that as their development team, I assume. Hmm. Um, so there was a big announcement for that, um, but it turns out they never actually paid for it. Yeah, look, that's... Probably the, the warning. I think that's the high point. That's, <laughs> now, that, now I'm that not was a businessman. The point man. where they went, oh, that's a bit too far. <laughs> I'm not a businessman, yeah. but paying for things generally yeah. a signifier of having bought them. Yeah, okay. Required. It's not great when you look up the, like when they agreed to buy a stake in it. After months of agreeing to buy a stake in it, the people, the guy from the scholars chairman still didn't know who was buying the stake in his club. I, I can't imagine them like <laughs> turning up and being like, hey, so did you sell the club? No. Yeah. Oh, no. Weird. Like, it tells me the check's in the mail. but Some kind of weird waiting. fever dream. 
Yeah, he just doesn't know if the money was like the Wolfpack or David Argyles, or whatever. Didn't know who was actually going to own it, but that's not mm-hmm. great. And that was it was actually their their alternative to crowdfunding. So uh, <laughs> it's kind of the up. thing where, like, I, I just hypothetically, it's probably David's just gone. Man, this is this is amazing. I'm really enjoying this experience. I'm just going to keep spending money on it. Yeah. And, um, we should also mention that uh, in 2018, uh, obviously there was a structural change with the Super 8s, as we mentioned, but also the Super League uh, voted to split from the RFL. Um, so from what I know, the, the clubs were basically running the show at this point. So it's similar to what happened with the A-League here where it wanted to become an independent competition, like the Premier League in the UK. Uh, where you've got like the, the, the Premier League Commission uh, mm-hmm. running it, not the FA. Um, so the clubs voted uh, to to step away from the RFL mm. um, for more control over over TV and sponsorship money, as well as uh, retaining you know some other rights that they would have had. Um, the RFL still had a vote on the board of the of the uh, Super League, rather, uh, but obviously they weren't running it per se. They have the same amount of votes as one of the other clubs. It's yes. ridiculous. And um, and as you said, they, they the Super League got clubs overtook for financial reasons and they've done a fantastic job. They've just mm. grown the sponsorship opportunities, <laughs> the free pizza. We will come they've to done the a free great pizza. Job. They've done a fantastic <laughs> So proud of them. Good on them. In but fairness, I, think, I could go a free pizza right now. I, Probably I not with tuna and corn on it per the pictures, but... I think it's worth mentioning that David Argyle and the and those um the other ownership group apparently poured in like thirty million of their own money since that's they started doing. That's a lot of money, and that's a lot of money in rugby league. Considering yes. if you took away poker machines, the whole sport might die. That's <laughs> like, three. That's what three like, three years of the salary cap in yeah. for a club. We have, you got to think about this: how the competition structured. If it's really optimal for people to burn through thirty million dollars. And have nothing to show for it at the end of it. Yeah, I mean mm. that is one of the things that probably like. I I know we're staunchly Wolfpack people on this podcast, but there's a couple of things that you can see like that and the London Scholars things. There's a couple of red flags that are there, mm. but as, as you said, Lee, he was kind of obviously riding a bit of a high. David Argo was with the experience. Everything was going one way. The Sunny Bill contract's probably the peak of that high. Way too much for Sunny. He probably would have taken half that money, but he got that huge offer. But, you know, the, the thing that crashed that high down is a, a thing that nobody saw coming, and it's just garbage. In my opinion, they didn't get a, a second chance to correct, you know, what went wrong there because every other club that's been over there has about 40 million chances. And the same thing with established clubs over here. We we bail out rugby league clubs, all give them a pass all the time. The Sharks should have died about 17,000 times, but they're still here. I need to tell me that. Yeah. More than happy for that to happen. But anyway, um, yeah, as we said, the uh, the Wolfpack went up to the Super League. They were promoted after winning the Million Pound game in 2019. Uh, obviously, we, as I said, they were promoted against a team that we will come to despise, but we will go on from here. That game, again, was played <laughs> in Canada in front of basically a capacity crowd, 9,974. Uh, and the Wolfpack made the the final step on their journey into the Super League. They were promoted into the 2020 competition. And then from there, well, it was all really downhill, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah. Well, 2019 
we're going to give the Super League a lot of shit, but the RFL deserves a bit as well. So that was mm. if people remember that all the foreign teams had to pay a bond of, I can't remember how much it was, but it was a couple hundred grand in case they made the final and the attendance at Wembley was dog shit as a result. So they had to pay a bond to the RFL in case they succeeded in the Challenge Cup. Um, so Toulouse and both Toronto and Toronto both declined to participate. Catalan, who were the defending champs in 2019, got the RFL to take a hike. Yeah, it's like it's just insane that they were expecting the defending champs, three clubs basically, including the defending champions, to pay an enormous sum of money just in case they succeeded in the competition. They had every right to participate in. Mm. That is I mean, true. Yeah. As you said, that's just bizarre. And it's not even like they were getting to the point near the final and panicking or anything. It was like before the tournament, you are paying us. That's taking money for goddamn jam. And I want to mention, you know, as you said, in case they made the final and the attendance were bad, they had 50K at the Catalans' final, the Challenge Cup, the year before. That's not enough, apparently. That's not enough. You know, I understand. Like why are you holding it at Wembley if 50k is not enough? Like, I understand they've had bigger right. Challenge Cup finals, but what 50k was so, so disappointing that you had to next year say, "Well, if you make it again, you're giving us whatever 100 grand or something ridiculous." <laughs> and then like teams like the Wolfpack, like they just saw them. Like, it feels like they just milked that teat while they could, and they got furious when it got dry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So for the record, uh, Catalan. V Warrington, 50,000 average crowd at Wembley prior to that, probably 75. But as you said, like not worth, not worth shooting this shit for. Uh, I, I get it's a dip. people are mad about it. I get it's a dip, but it's like, come on, 50 is really like, that's, that's it. That's embarrassing exactly. for the game, is it? You know, as opposed to the zero, which they held. <laughs> Had at the actual final this year between Leeds and Salford, uh, yeah. so another L for the uh, for the RFL, unfortunately. Uh, but yeah, as we said, uh, signed Sonny Bill Williams in 2020. Um, supposedly he's pretty good rugby league. Uh, uh, they had when when did the Wiggles thing happen? Was that 2019? No, that was this year, I think. This year, simply. Yeah, but that's uh, you're right. That's it. But yeah, they they made some a lot of moves this season that were um. You know, the really ready to stake their claim as rugby one of rugby leagues. What I say? Not gonna say great clubs. They're really, really ready to stake their claim in the Super League. Like, you know, we we're, we're hmm. a real deal. We're here. We mean business. We've signed Sunny Bill. We got the Wiggles, which is as big as Sunny Bill. <laughs> like they went, they went, they went all out. Like they probably... I mean, I don't know where they were expecting to pay. Where they were expecting to play the Wiggles? Like, is that do you play yeah. them in the spine or? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know, mate. But like the, the Sunny Bill signing, I mean, like that, I think pricked up a lot of people's ears who weren't already kind of interested in the story, um, because like Sunny Bill is like headline material wherever he goes, whatever he says. But love him or hate him, the media covers him. Yeah. Um, and like I know that obviously in Canada they would have probably seen him with the last Rugby World Cup. Um, because as I said, rugby union is relatively like it's, it's played in Canada as opposed to being, you know, not played at all. Like rugby league was previously, um, at a, at an international level. 
I mean, I was surprised when he got announced. I was just searching Twitter and going, I was surprised by how much he was mentioned over there, how many people knew who he was that were that are North American. But I guess you've also got to remember that, I, you know, anyone who's ever stumbled on a rugby big hits video on YouTube probably remembers that guy because he's on almost all of them. We found out <laughs> here comes the boom. Yeah, that's, that's what it, we would have seen. But they signed and they, they probably didn't do them any any favours on the pitch this year with the signings they made. They went with with a really thin roster. And I know, like, Sonny, I've watched some of their first few games. Sonny Bill had, like, 16 offloads in one game, but he wasn't he wasn't good. And we saw him play this year in the NRL. That was after a year of prep and similar. Still wasn't crash hot. But they, I think they gambled more so on mm. the revenue or potential attention a guy like Sonny would bring over the on-field impact. I don't know. I don't know if you agree, Liam, but... And also, he was he was in one of those funny he, because obviously uh, he's uh, because of his faith he doesn't wear gambling sponsorship, so mm-hmm. he was he was the only player in the competition not to wear the Betfred logo, which was like, you know, one of those weird curiosities. But yeah, as you said, like they had a they had a kind of they had a championship team playing in the Super League as opposed to a a poor Super League team. Like For some hit- reason, they'd extended a bunch of the guys yeah. in 2019 into 2020, which made no sense because you've got a, a a roster that can smash championship clubs but can't really compete at Super League level. So just yeah, like they had, they came into 2020 with a 21 man squad. So to put that into context, like the NRL, you play 24 rounds plus finals. You're looking at using most clubs use somewhere between 25 and 30 players. Um, most Super League clubs use somewhere between 30 and 40 players because they've got a much longer season. Yeah. 21-man squad was never really going to cut it. And I, they, they were at the cap. So they had no cap space to hire anyone else. And I do not understand how they got themselves into that position. Yeah. And, and again, another, another red flag. But again, probably red flag, I don't think they deserve to not exist as a club in the competition no, no. again. But yeah, I, I I don't know how they end up. Twenty one men, yeah. I don't think anyone needs any context. That's the the, the amount of players you name on a Tuesday in the NRL. Twenty one. I was going to say that's it's teamless like, Tuesday for us. It's teamless Tuesday, and as you said, mate, like in a good year, a club will use like twenty five to twenty seven players over here. You know, in a good year, and you add in Super League, the, the amount of the schedule they have, the Challenge Cup. Yep. That's fuck all players. They're, they're flying they're, six. They're flying six hours every second week to play too. Yeah, and they were in trouble. I can't remember exactly, but really early they were in trouble. Hey, like like three weeks into the comp, they were like, shit, we have no players. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was pretty clear early on that the players that they did have weren't up for it. And they they were in guys like Tony Gijo in on like an interview, basically. Some loophole that let them get a French international in for four weeks without paying him under the cap. But you can only do that so many times, like, I kind of figured that there would be some miracle that would happen, I guess, where they would be given either more cap space or some of the bad contracts somehow, but it just never happened. And pretty quickly they were running on fumes. Yeah, yeah they, they were kind of competitive. So I tried to watch most of their games back when I could during the week. I, know I watched them get smashed by Leeds. That was embarrassing. So they lost, what, round one, 66 to 12. They're not round one, so it was towards the end, sorry, not round one. But they were getting competitive before all the injuries. They went okay against Warrington, 32-22, 24-16, they lost to Salford. 
yeah. then they got absolutely thumped against by Hounds and Leeds, and the the wheels are coming off with all those injuries before before the break, and people were losing their minds over that Tony Gigo signing. Or I don't know how to say it properly. My 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 apologies, but you said an intern. Gigot, sorry, as an intern, <laughs> not like as an NRL, as a rugby league player, whatever. And then I think they had problems. They were trying to that dodgy with somebody else, and it got blocked. And I was with you. I thought just because of how much this Wolfpack added to the RFL Super League, they were going to just change the rules for them. It, <laughs> does, gonna, like, it <laughs> does. It does seem strange that they weren't given like a cost of living allowance, like Sydney, like Sydney had with the AFL. There was like they talk get talk of adjusting it up. By yeah. Like, Five percent, I think it was, and the yeah. Broncos had they had a salary cap adjustment when they were in Super League, but um, I, I don't think it ever got approved. Yeah, I mean, like you just when say, the oh, okay, were never based in Toronto. It, yeah, well, that's a, that's a fair point. Um, you can, you know, you can play, or you can have ten percent extra on your salary cap, and you know, but that, as you said, like they're paying for t- they're paying for the TV, they're paying for flights. Like I can understand why they weren't wanting to put that much more money in like obviously it came there came a point for the blokes who were running this thing where they were just like we're not seeing a return maybe it was the maybe it was the london scholars the point of london scholars weren't maybe it was sunny bill but they were like "Mm, can't really afford anything else here towards the end of 2019 it seems like some reality starting to seep in because there was Mm. reports coming through that they hadn't paid other bills which included um tv production company in canada and then there was a change of management with um, Bob Hunter, who's like a relatively well-respected um, Canadian sports management dude, came in as CEO in August 2019, and then costs, cost-cutting begins. So the broadcasts that Toronto had been playing for to get full broadcast-quality games on Sky, that pretty much ended immediately. Hmm. It really matter. There was about, I think from memory, about half a dozen games left um it was definitely a different vibe to the team from that point onwards i wonder at the point that you're making about like the the challenge cup i i wonder if they kind of saw not necessarily the writing on the wall but were like maybe they don't really want us maybe well, even at the end of 2019 the super yeah. going well just because you've won promotion in the rfl system doesn't mean you get to come into super We've still yeah. got a preview. Yeah. And it's like, well, what the fuck are we doing here? Like, yeah, exactly. Promotion and relegation. That's and that's an interesting point because like many, many moons ago there used to be clubs clubs in English football were actually elected to the first division. You were you you had to go up through election. Like if you won the season before, it wasn't a it wasn't a foregone conclusion that you would go up. And this was, you know, mainly in the early days, but even as late as if I remember correctly in the 50s and 60s. And like it seems that there's that same mentality that as you say, like, yeah, you might have won promotion. Yeah, you might have had 10,000 people at this game. And, you know, you might be ticking all these boxes and paying all these people and that's all great. But like, you know, you've still got to kind of you've got to you got to grease a few palms. You got to tickle a few balls. You got to, you know, you still got to. We've got to let you in. It's our game. Ball tickling. It's the most important part of running a rugby league club. I have always said that, and that is why I'm not allowed at Jets games anymore. <laughs> but yeah, the, the squad they did put together was pretty uncompetitive. They made. They did make a lot of mistakes for this season. They did, and as you said, they stopped paying some bills as well. Not all good signs. But I mean, I'm looking at that squad, and as you said, mate, there's a lot of guys there that they they just split up a sunny bill. 
they'd had a queue of ex NRL players wanting to go join them. Yeah, split it up, mm. split it in five. Or Ricky Latelli was on about wasn't it like seven eight hundred k a year. He was being reported that he was on there. But um, Sonny was paid outside of the cap because he was from Union, so he didn't count for the first year or two under yeah. the, uh, the Super League's bullshit salary cap rules. Yeah, and they filled the cap with garbage oh, essentially, like. I don't like the guys who left are like, you know, it's just Josh McCrone, Bodine Thompson, uh, Ricky Latelli. Those are pretty much the big names mm-hmm. outside of Sonny. So it wasn't looking like a good season for them, regardless, on the field. But, you know, off the field, I still had that feeling about Wolfpack being something special this year before the, the wheels really fell off with, with the coronavirus break. And I I didn't truly believe like when they pulled the pin. I didn't need to be the end of them because I've seen, again, I've seen mm. English Super League teams crumble. We've all seen, like, every second year there's one that's insolvent. It feels like all liquidated or similar and they come back. I didn't think that would be the, the death knell of the Wolfpack. But, like, it was. It now seems like the moment they did that and they, you know, I guess failed the Super League and the RFL and the other clubs, that was it. They, was, they weren't getting a second chance. They, those, they, weren't, owned, they weren't owned shit. They weren't a rugby league heartland. There's no mm. growth there. All that garbage started to come out, but it was like you read the tea leaves that day. That's when their tenure really – there was never a chance from there really. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so they um, – season was called off mid-March. Wolfpack pulled the pin in July. They got a bit stuck in between because they weren't British. They couldn't go on government like all of the other Super League clubs were able to. Mm-hmm. Um, but they in Canada, I don't think – government support extended to professional sports. So we basically had no revenue. There's no crowds. There's no TV deal. Um, they, ha- they had nothing. So there was no means for them to pay their players mm. on any basis unless other than David Argyle liquidating assets, which he was struggling to do in the financial climate at the time. Yeah, and what you mentioned there is one of the key parts of it is that you know, the English clubs would likely be dead right now too without that loan they got. The same clubs that were judging every financial decision mm. that Wolfpack made and saying they haven't got a correct business plan or anything. They weren't ready for a pandemic. No one else was either. And the, and the English Super League might be dead without government assistance right as we speak right now. And yeah. I don't think the government would let that competition die, obviously, but that's the reality. The other clubs were, were in just as much strife as the Wolfpack. Yeah, and it was proven when... Um, a bit later, so they come back. Typically comes back, they're planning to play 22 rounds, I think. And then, oh, there's a bit of coronavirus around, so we're not going to be able to play all the same number of games. We'll do it by win percentage. Oh, there's a bit more coronavirus around. We'll just call the season off now and go to finals. And then when yeah. that happens, but, well, what precipitated that was Hull Kingston Rovers going, you know what, it's actually more probable for us to go on government furlough than it is to play football. Mm-hmm. Then Salford welched on their debt at the same time. And that was all just swept under the rug. Just went on to finals and those two clubs are fine. Yeah, oh well Salford got punished for three years ago, mate. So, you know. <laughs> yeah. They got three wins taken off them in a season where they did not make the finals and it, there is no competition. That's it. They got wins taken off them after the Wolfpack got kicked out. The Salford got retrospective wins taken off them this year after they already pulled out, as you said. That was Really came down on a tough blow for Salford messing around. And, you know, notoriously haven't had financial issues the last few years either, Salford. Uh, very well-run structured club. 
on the point that you were making re uh, government assistance. So rugby league, uh, which obviously would have gone mostly to the super league received the government. Uh, I think it's just a bailout basically of 12 million pounds uh, mm-hmm. relatively recently rugby union, unfortunately was given 135 million pounds. Uh, so not enough ball tickling there, as we said before. Uh, but yeah. has offered a, um, a loan of £16 million in the first instance. Yes, mm. I do remember that. Clubs I... did not necessarily want to take up because they would then have to pay the loan. Yes, plus plus some form of interest, I would assume. I assume, <laughs> yeah. Mm. Yeah, and as a competition that literally had to get paid in free pizza, I don't know how would they get that loan back. Would they would they on sell the pizzas to get that loan back? Would they like how they, I don't know they're going to pay Can you strip a pizza back. for parts? Can you pick the corn off individually well, and they I had, don't know, put it in salsa? You know this, don't you, Liam? They had that trucking sponsor beforehand. That what was that called? The, they had a truck sponsor and they made a deal based on Super League being on the side of their trucks, like their Lin Fox trucks or whatever you know over there. Mm. That was it one was, of the, the contra deal they made, and it didn't go very well. No, and it was only Stobart. And Stobart, that's right, yes. It was only on like a handful of the trucks. It wasn't even all of them. So it was like, I don't know, what, half a dozen or a couple of dozen out of a fleet of thousands at the Super League. They were confident, though, when it started, mate. (laughs) How are you giving away... It's classic. It was, but it was worth two and a half million dollars, mate, in, in truck sidage. Yeah, yeah, that's, <laughs> that's obviously paid huge dividends. Right, exactly right. Uh, yeah, the days of barter. You're just like that's. I, yeah. I am just looking at a quick article regarding that one. Super League are looking for a new title sponsor after the RFL confirmed Stobart sponsorship will end at the end of the season. The deal will end after Super League reached their target of increased visibility and profile. The fuck. <laughs> Our target is fourteen hundred people have to see these tra- these trucks. All right, we've done that. We don't have any more money. Okay, no more. S- Jesus, God above. That's that's like the it's the uh, George W. Bush scene in The Simpsons. As I achieved everything I could in one term of president, there was no need for a second. <laughs> that's exactly that's like, right. Yes, well, My work this... here is done. You didn't do anything. Exactly. This they didn't they? Yeah, they signed a three year deal and they said we're delighted with our success of a one year partnership. So we're ending it. It went so good. <laughs> that we're going to end the deal. Like One-term deal. Is that, is that how they're going to announce the Papa John's termination? Yeah. The players had so much pizza. They yeah. ate so much. <laughs> James Graham is currently rolling down the streets of St. Helens. And, oh, God, I saw some of the photos and the players of the pizza going around. They got the off-cast pizzas. They had corn on pizza, corn and mayonnaise on pizza. They got the off-cast. They didn't even the give good, the, the, the good players Lord good did pizza. not invent pizza for us to put mayonnaise on it. No. And Terrible. what you really want out of this sponsorship deal is people thinking those were really shitty pizzas that they got. <laughs> Man, they're appropriately rugby league pizzas, they weren't they? Well, Papa bit... John is also a hideous racist, but we don't yeah. uh, Anyway, so where 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 are we at now? So they they, they do that we're finals. At me giving the Wolfpack money on Patreon. How's that going for you? What, what I was perks? one of three supporters. What so perks did you Rookies get? has more supporters. On I'm, I'm proud that we have more Patreon supporters than an actual professional rugby league outfit. See, I didn't know that existed, which is a bit poor from them considering they've been so good at marketing themselves. I'm yeah. actually, I, I'm surprised I didn't know that existed. And that's, um, I guess that's part of the problem. Like they couldn't get funding from they anywhere. Just, yeah. I, I think it was a raw deal because, like, you're paying money in 
And ostensibly for Patreon, you should be getting something in return. And they weren't playing for Don't tell us that. Giving you any content. Yeah. You know, what are you giving your money for? Yeah, uh, I guess it's um, not like... What's that one? Uh, Kickstarter they needed to do, yeah. didn't they? Exactly. <laughs> if, we, if we hit our goal, we'll be a Super League team. And you yes. Get money. If Maybe that's how Stobart worked. <laughs> we that raised our $50,000 and now we'll give you a video game in the next eight to 10 years. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, when they when they terminated the, when I realized Wolfpack had to like rebid, because again was, I thought they were sitting the year out and they were still going to be there next year. When that when mm. they first said they were out, I was like, okay, I can see this movie league is pissed. They were pissed. I get that. Yeah, they've but been thought, told to sleep. They are sleeping on the couch. That's what. Exactly happened. right. Yeah, well, that's we, right. They got you spend a couple of nights on the couch. You'll come back tomorrow. We'll kiss and make up. We'll see you next year. Mm. But then they they turn they terminate their, their uh, participation. And yeah, from there onwards, it was like the constructions of the ways that Wolfpack didn't add to rugby league. We that's what we got from there. The, all the ways they didn't bring anything to the game is what we what we heard from that point onwards. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So from early August, Super League said you're going to have to um, bid to get back in, basically. Um, and it's around about this time that David Argyle just walks back into the hedge and disappears. <laughs> he, he's nowhere to be found. He's not putting money in anymore. He's out. Um, Super League starts putting pressure onto the Wolfpack and it's looking like it's not going to go super well. The Wolfpack needs to find a new owner basically to pay the debts and fund operations moving forward. Um, it, yeah, I... I don't understand the need to put an arbitrary deadline on it. Mm. If your season's not starting until March next year, surely you've got until February. Um, yeah. Anyway, it was supposed to be more or less sorted out by August. Negative press starts to flow, and like you, I, I'm thinking it's probably not going to go super well. Um, there's a couple of presentations that the Wolfpack then do Super League to justify their place. Um, Carlo Lavolsi comes out of comes out of the hedge as the potential new owner for the Wolfpack. Um, and his plan is to use the Wolfpack to promote a line of grooming products for men, which is very bizarre, but also who gives a shit? He's going to yeah. be in. Who cares? Um, I mean, yeah, go on, mate. Sorry. Sorry. Uh, so he makes a presentation from his car to the Super League. Um, Which could be the most rugby league thing I've ever heard. <laughs> doesn't go down super well. Um, they tell them to go away, work on the presentation, come back, um, sort out a bunch of clarifications, and then they do their final submission uh, towards the end of October, which is also done from a car, apparently. So... Bob Hunter did an interview where he admitted that that was a mistake. Um, and I kind of get it, but also you, you should be looking at the facts on the table. I mean, the, the thing you mentioned, Liam, and, uh, you know, what I listened to a podcast called, um, it's called Howling, Howling Arrogant Wolfpack Podcast, and it's done, the ground announcer of the Wolfpack does that podcast, obviously biased, but and you touched on it there. The part that really stuck with me is like that he had promised to come in and pay all their debts, pay all the players and get all that sorted out before they continue on next season. Mm. 
and that's the part that really hit me is they didn't didn't even say or prove it. They didn't call his bluff and say prove it because you know the Bradfords of the world, the Feathersons of the world, the Toulouse, they're going to be there in February next year. They're going to be there. They can step into that Super League spot next year, and I, they didn't get the opportunity to do that. And we don't know how rich this guy is. I couldn't find his net worth. I found articles that mentioned he was, he must be rich. He exists. He exists. But, you know, I guess the way to find out was, yeah, well, he said he's going to do it. We'll give him three months to do it or whatever. If he doesn't do it, mm. well, that's it. It's over. But they didn't get given that chance. And he said no, like, and it's, it's a really frustrating part of the process is that you got the Super League chairman coming out and saying, well, he hasn't proved that he's wealthy enough to do this. But it's not clear what they asked for in terms of proof. Mm. So I'm sure he wouldn't be doing this uh, Lavolsi wouldn't be doing this if you can't come up with a bank guarantee of a million pounds, five million pounds, whatever they had asked for. Um, but his his thought was that he would only give them that financial information about his net worth if they signed NDAs and if they were going into the Super League. Because he's a very private person and he didn't want his personal details leaking out through the Super League board. Hmm. How much yeah, do you know about what happened in this process? Clear, there's a lot of leaking happening. Yeah, I mean, there's literally a Twitter page <laughs> which you haven't touched on yet. It's called what Super Rogue that leaked the Rogue whole report leak, yeah. out. So yeah, he probably made a good call not telling them his net worth because <laughs> yeah. it was definitely going on the internet. <laughs> like, yeah. Uh, yeah. If you if you are wealthy enough and powerful enough to scrub your entire existence off the internet because that's what you want to do, you're probably not going to let your financial information go to simply. Yeah. Like he, he did he did say he didn't think they should sorry, I was wrong. He didn't want to clear all their debts, but he did say he was gonna pay all the staff and players. Mm. So simple and stuff, right? But it was like a hundred million sorry, a million dollars or so Aussie, I think by the end of it they they he, they owed in salary unpaid for everybody all around. You know, again, that's a lot more money than half the Super League clubs think they apparently have or yeah. they claim to have. They couldn't even afford it as a whole conglomerate couldn't afford the twelve million dollar loan Liam mentioned earlier and he was offering to pay all that back and yeah, as the you said, thing they... is like I, the club. It seems like the Super League clubs expected him to pay back all the debts, but it's not clear who held the liability for those debts. Mm. And I'm a businessman and I'm rich. I'm not just paying debts for the fun of it. I'm yeah. only paying debts that I need to pay. Um, so if I'm not personally liable for those debts, if they sit with David Argyle, why would I pay them? Yeah, I mean, it's not the, exactly not the first person or businessman or even first sports club to go bankrupt and come back as the same club with nothing changed and you stick her on the door and go, well, those debts are gone. They're mm. not ours anymore. And, I can think uh, of at least three or four English clubs that have done exactly that in just the last three or four years. Exactly right. And Bradford's one of them. <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah, that, that go up. And uh, yeah, as you said, but he committed to, to paying the staff and the things he believed he owed they pretty much accepted all the terms handed to them by the RFL. They accepted they weren't they weren't going to play home games. They were going to play in England. They accepted points deductions. They um, they, but they, they wanted accepted, central. Sorry, mate. They accepted a two point deduction. Yeah. But I think in this situation, twelve points is the rule. But it's not clear why you would make that the rule. So if a club's already in financial strife, is deducting twelve points really that smart? Yeah. Like, yeah. look at the history of English Rugby League. It's clearly not. But 
there's a there's a huge part of that Super League audience that wants to go, well, that's the rule. You need to be punished for your fuck-ups. So that's what we're going to do to you. And it's like, well, have you actually thought about this? Have you thought about what the impact of doing that is to Toronto? Because if mm. you put the Wolfpack pack in the championship, there's no value there. Nobody's going to buy a team that's already worked its way up and then has to go back into the second division. There's just no commercial future for that. Yeah. So you either want Toronto and you, you have to make special rules for them or you don't. Yeah, and they accepted the special rules for them when it was Toronto fought it, footing all the bills. It was yeah, when it right. suited them, they accepted all the rules, banned all these weird things that a team come from Canada, they ain't that close to England travel, all that shit was fine when someone else is footing the bill. But when it changed a little bit and when they wanted their piece of the pie, like that's pretty much when it, when it, when it was, it was, they were dead. Look, when they wanted their part of central funding is probably what killed them from other clubs because essentially mm. it was taking money out of their pocket to keep the Wolfpack alive. And, and people say, well, they should have just signed up for that originally. But you were taking the proposal for a Canadian football team to play in the RFL system and you said, no, you have to give us central funding. You would have been laughed out of the room. Nobody would have approved that hmm. initially. Correct. So that was that condition to even get the Wolfpack project off the ground. Yeah. And and I know I read there was, there was an article written against Wolfpack about we should move on from talking about them. And he did say that, like, well, when they first came into existence, they, they were guaranteed they'd pay for themselves and everyone else's travel. And that was the deal. So unfortunately, that was their deal. So they deserve to die, pretty much. Like, yeah. well, no, that's, like, as you said, that was the ground floor deal, mate. Like any kickstarting business or anything, they all people always start off on a uh, not uneven keel. You have to grow reputation and grow. And then obviously their goal at the end of this was not to keep paying <laughs> for everything for, and just give money to everyone else. That wasn't their business goal in the long run. Like David Argyle wanted us, wanted the club to grow big enough that he could sell it off like the Green Bay Packers. He wanted to have the team owned by the fans and it be self-sustaining mm. and self-sustaining does obviously involve league funding as well, because even, you know, the best of times self-sustaining is sustained by leagues in, in, in any sport. Like, but yeah, apparently uh, them asking for any sense <laughs> return was, was ac across the line. They, could, they couldn't mm. have any, any money. So while the Wolfpack are doing these presentations, unbeknownst to them, Super League's gone out and prepared a report into the value of the Canadian market to Super League as a whole. And this is where we go from, yeah, it's kind of reasonable to this is just flat out ridiculous. Yeah, it's uh, it's an interesting read. Yeah, so as mentioned, if you want to find Super Rogue League on Twitter, they've done bits and pieces of it. Um, well, I assume it's legit. It looks legit. Super League hasn't come out and denied that it's not what it is. Mm. Yes. And to be honest, if you're listening to this, you probably could have done a better job. I think that's and, fair to say. And, and like, the, 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 there's literally a, the introduction mentions that this was put together quickly and it's full of bullshit. But here it is. <laughs> it's the best we could do. Uh, some of the stuff is jaw dropping that this was put in dis business decision making. You'd be embarrassed by handing that in in university the night before. Yeah, yeah. Like, and a lot of the conclusions, you know, it's like whilst we acknowledge there's this, this, and this, and this, we choose to ignore those things. You know, it's like whilst we acknowledge there's been successful expansions in 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 rugby league, we choose to ignore those. 
whilst we whilst we acknowledge as rugby union is growing in, in Canada, we choose to ignore that. And actually, rugby league shit. You know, they pretty much say themselves it's shit. There's, there's it's not as good as there's basically no sport. future for rugby league in the northern hemisphere. So we're just packing it in now. That's yeah. it. Oh my god, it was all embarrassing. And the weird things are like acting like they could all of, a, all of a sudden Toronto actually couldn't sustain another sporting team when it's not paying us all the money. It, it can't sustain a sporting team. And you can only imagine that's because Super League's never dealt with a city of seven million people, and they don't understand. Yeah. Million people have a lot of interests. Some of them might be rugby league, but I guess we'll never know now. We'll never know. Yeah, and yeah, ignoring the interest they had, and even like, like they would acknowledge it has lots of social media followers and good attendances, but we choose to ignore that because <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's wrong. It does not purport to be a comprehensive review of every possible relevant factor. Correct, oh, even and though it, it is the basis for that. Yeah. So, and, and, and they took on shitting on Catalon as part of this project, by the way. It's a couple of times throughout the report they shit on the dragons as an example of yeah. bad expansion. <laughs> it's like, what? Like they took it, all the dragons have been in France. We still haven't got a, le- a French wild TV deal. So the dragons suck too. <laughs> so, like, so for I, the record, Super League gets, this is the really hilarious thing for me. So they get about £205,000 a year from international revenue for their broadcast. Mm. Of that, £50,000 comes from the US, £15,000 comes from Canada. Yeah. And a third, third of their international broadcast comes from North America. Somehow. And, no, mate, they, they don't care about it up there, mate. It could have mm. been. And, and the thing, like, I just, I loved, I laughed at that, but all of a sudden it was now Catalan's responsibility to negotiate a TV deal for the Super League in France. Yeah. I, didn't, I didn't think they knew that was part of their job there. <laughs> Apparently like, it's what do fault. you pay people in, who work for Super League to do, if not to market the sport? Is that not the entire purpose? That's what the, that's what the whole commercial division should be there doing, like negotiating these deals. And I uh, I had a look and I'm like, there's nothing in Super League producers that's actually in French. So if you want to go get yes, and French engagement and French audience. Speaking French is a really good start. Yes. Yeah. But, like, Catalan do a lot of their own really good stuff. That's what I don't about to say that, though. That's why then the Wolfpack, there's no broadcast deal. They've got their own broadcast deal. Exactly. Because uh, they were left on their own devices. Wolfpack and Catalan did their own thing. Yep. Why the fuck would they be responsible for negotiating the Super League broadcast deals exactly. in their regions? Oh, that was what really set me off. It was like, well, there's no <laughs> broadcast deal in France, so fuck expansion. <laughs> it's like, what? <laughs> Oh my god! <sighs> the unspoken yeah. thing about those numbers I just quoted. So if you're getting sixty-five thousand of two hundred five thousand from North America, that's your international revenue. How much is Australia paying to Super League to show Super League games? Oh, it has to be fucking nothing, hey. Because obviously yeah. France is one of the other international bodies that does have a small broadcast pie there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's but like that, nothing. It's like this is. Selling rugby league to Australia, it's got to be a slam dunk. It can't be that hard. They probably it, trade it for free for something terrible with Fox. <laughs> <laughs> we'll give you, uh, we'll give you the national rugby competition. That's what we'll give you. We'll give you the NRC. You can watch New South Wales Country Rams play. Uh, one hundred and fifty thousand pounds for your allegedly professional competition in Australia for rugby league, even in just. 
Queensland and New South Wales, it's just not a good return. Yeah, and they're, they're shitting on when they, when they shit on through um. By the way, also, there's so many errors in that report. In every single time they've got a screenshot, there's someone in the response who's correcting it. There's even a page of the report that the numbers on the page next to each other don't match each other. The yeah. number, like, it was thrown together, but that there's a whole, Julia's really a whole section why, why France sucks. So that's really good fun if you're a French rugby league fan. There's a whole section in there on the whole part the, dedicated. There's the future Canadian sponsorship prospects, which talks about NHL, NBL, MLB, NFL, and CFL. Yeah, of the teams in Toronto, which include the Maple Leaves, for those That's, of you playing at yep. home, is not how you say that. Yeah, <laughs> and does not include the Toronto Argonauts or the Hamilton um, CFL team, whose name escapes me right now. Yep, and, and another embarrassing part for all this too, by the way, is it's all about this broadcast deal. Like, so Canada, right, is what is it, like forty million people? Yeah, you know. And their broadcast deal for the Canadian Football League that averages like 500,000 viewers, which is not that many in that size of a country, mm. is worth $50 million a year. So that sport sitting at that level in that country is worth that because of the sponsorship opportunities and growth and all that kind of the money that's in that country around sport. That exists like that. This RFL's own deal in a country with a bigger population, in a sport that's been there since the dawn of goddamn time, a professional sport there, doesn't get half that. Yeah. And they don't think there's money over there, but they don't, they didn't look at those things. They just looked at saying that's a competitor. We can't get any of that slice. Like Canadian Football League is literally for people who like another sport that are just there. Like, like if you like Union or if you like, Canadian Football League or similar, you watch Rugby League, you could probably jump over as well because it's not the first time someone who's watched or liked a contact sport like NFL, seen Rugby League and gone, some similarities well, there. I mean, I that's how American football was born because they thought that there was too yeah. much weird shit going on in rugby. Yeah. Like, like, I mean, it makes perfect sense, as you say. And the whole thing that you're making, the, the point that you're making about like no, t- no TV deal in France, there's a line in there, there are no French companies providing sponsorship to Super League. That's not their fault. <laughs> they don't the know French who companies you are. Super League's there. What is like Super League? Should should the Catalan take less money from a French sponsor? Apparently, yes, because if they imagine don't, they're good, a failure. Imagine how good the mayonnaise would be on those pizzas, though. Yeah, and then they would. They went on to say like things like the Wellington Phoenix and New Zealand oh, Warriors were, to get to that. were failures because uh, you know. No, no, no. The Wellington Phoenix is an example of sorry expansion. So the, the the actual report says the committee has reviewed two apparently successful examples of Australian leagues expanding into New Zealand to see if these can exist, assist in assessing the likelihood that operating in Canada Canada will deliver a financial return to Super League. And they looked at the Wellington Phoenix. Hmm. Love team in the A League. I mean, they're they're a team in the A League. <laughs> they exist. They they are. The A League didn't want them to exist. But they do exist. And also being like having having like, oh, what about um teams in MLS or Canadian NHL teams? No, mate. They're American NHL teams that are adjacent. The NHL started in Canada, you Pelicans. And, and th- there's a weird thing too. The next one is about saying that it's noted that many big leagues have 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 spent money on international marketing, but are yet to have an international team. You know, mm. have a team join from there. It's like well, specifically referencing the NFL and not having expanded to London, and that's a failure at this point in 2020 when it's probably going to happen in like, what 2023. Yeah, yeah. It's like, but as you said, though, like 
just because they'd have it's weird they've now drawn the line that not having a team there meant that sport hasn't expanded successfully it's like nfl is on here every week on tv over here nba is over here there's like 12 nba players who are owners of nbl teams over here now expansion has worked in those sports yeah they've invested but they've invested in their league they're not going to expand like the nba is not going to have an australian team exactly (laughs) (laughs) they won't be watching the nba you're just lucky enough you stupid fucks that somebody from another country was willing to pay you enough to join your league and and you took the gamble because you would you know you take free money you you, you're lucky enough that it happened that it ended up being that way but the nfl would never do that (laughs) <laughs> they wouldn't take a Barbados FC because they just had money, okay? <laughs> but you did that. They should, though. They Imagine should how hot that would be. But, but you did that. There was billionaires queued around the corner in, in countries who would pay for NFL and NBA team. They're queued. Yeah. But they, they're not de- those leagues aren't desperate enough to do that. But you took that. You did take that. And then all of a sudden you decided that because those teams, sports, haven't had to do the same, it means expansion overseas doesn't work. It's like there's... There's no correlation between the two fucking things. Much like this graph, may I just add, oh, which God, is awful. Graph. <laughs> graph, but yeah, they just it just it was an embarrassing one of those things you'd rather hear opinions than see that because it was just it was just opinions painted with numbers. Yeah, they're not even good. It, it's just so bad, and yeah. it's worth a re- if you can find it. It's worth a read just to have a chuckle. Um, if if you are anywhere past, I'd say year ten. Uh, and you've handed in anything worse than this, you need to have a look at yourself. Yeah. Uh, it does look very first year Dale at uni, but we won't go into yeah, that. That's it. I mean, it was a rush. And, uh, yes. and that, that excuses everything. I should have put that at all the start of all of my assignments. I do not purport for this to be any form of expertise. That's it. But I've done it anyway, and here it is. Listen, this is worth 30% of my mark, and I am about 30% alcohol. Just and give me the marks. And apparently you can make points counter to your argument to say, well, I choose to ignore those. I've decided, <laughs> like the ones, as you said, the ones about Phoenix and New Zealand have gone, and we've decided they don't apply here. <laughs> so, yeah. it, it's just an embarrassing report. And then, you know, you read that, and then you, you see that, the, you know, every other team has an equal say on the vote, plus RFL got one vote, and you just... There was never a goddamn chance they were getting back in back yeah. into the league. It was league. just a typical thing where we've got some consultants to do some research. We've told them what we want them to find. They've just gone back and found all the information to support that. Oh, yeah. that that whole thing about no money in Canada, despite it being like I don't know the eighth biggest economy in the world. <laughs> yeah, there's no money in Canada. Yeah, sorry it, guys. It's just embarrassing that not just did they like produce that report, but also that. Some journalists decided to go, well, these are facts. I'm going to report them like they are facts and I'm not going to actually, you know, put my brain into gear and think about whether any of this is true. I'm just going to spew it out there. And that led to a lot of negativity towards the Wolfpack in the run-up to the vote. Mm. Yeah, and and the, I think the hardest part for all of me, though, mate, is the fact that it pretty much said rugby league is fucked at the side of the north of our country. Oh, We're not going yeah. to expand ever. It's pretty much a reporter saying, unless you, unless something else can fund itself completely and pay its whole way and do everything on its own, we ain't Not doing shit. I, I did, <laughs> I did read. So in that article that I was just referencing regarding the bailout that the British government gave uh, sport in the UK, it does refer to rugby league as a variant of the sport more popular in the north of England. And I was just like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> rough, rough from the Financial Times. 
True, <laughs> but rough. Never, never something you like to hear. Um, so as we said, they they went to a vote. Uh, things didn't look good, and and needless to say, the Wolfpack were quickly taken out the back and given the bullet. Uh, yeah. It was nine to four. This was only a few weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, nine to four. The four in favour were the RFL, St Helens, Leeds, and Catalan, and all of those make perfect sense, especially the RFL and shocking, Catalan. Shocking that the Catalan would be in favour. Catalan, please do, not, please do not kick us out. <laughs> uh, and the RFL, obviously, as I said, they, like, I mean, it makes it makes sense for them because, like, they're looking at this from, not, well, not necessarily, the point, that, the point that you made in these notes, Liam, about being, like, like that they they ticked the box, but also like they're really they're meant to be the protectors of the game, the expanders of the game. They're meant to have the mm-hmm. game's best interest at heart. And like they obviously went into this with relatively a relatively open mind and they were like, you know what? We've kind of backed it this far. May well, as well keep it going. It's got to go mm-hmm. somewhere. Lost yeah. in this is, and that's the RFL part of it, is that the Ottawa Aces were supposed to be joining the what League One next year, another yeah. team over there. Yeah. That yeah, ain't happening. Yeah, so it's a year after. Yeah, we'll see. <laughs> yeah. And then there's the New York yeah. bid, which is even less likely. Yeah. Like, this, like, what are you going to do unless you come with a $50 million a year TV deal? Like, simply. Well, you know. Imagine telling a New York businessman, like, you want $50 million. Imagine how fast you would get told to get fucked. But also, <laughs> well, mate, from what I know, the other reports, there's already teams of any other sport in New York, therefore give up. Yeah, well, I mean, there's two NFL teams. Yeah, right. And ignore the money, the population, everything. 20% of your overseas revenue for TV deals is coming from the US, but New York team, New York does, New York metropolitan area does have a population literally a third of the size of your entire country, but there's no (laughs) money there, guys. Sorry. Yeah. That vote, um, I, I was a Leeds fan in my teen years. I really liked Danny, uh, Danny Maguire. Anyway, but as an um, as I age, I felt guilty for supporting them because they were good. So I I have some Leeds jerseys. I dropped off and I spent the Ooh, last like ten nice. years floundering between who do I support. They have a Jamie Jones Buchanan. Uh, uh, have a one of his um testimonial jerseys, Dale. I do. It's pretty one sweet. of the one of the ones worn on the field. But anyway, um, I'm back. That's what I'm saying because they <laughs> them St <laughs> Helens Catalan RFL voted in favour of the Wolfpack being there. And then in the final, I was cheering for St. Helens over Wigan. Wigan voted against. Fuck you, Wigan. You got the bounce you deserved. <laughs> so got the win. Like I was I'm back on leads, but yeah, they, that vote, like you, you definitely saw that big split of like, he is two clubs who are ambitious and want to grow. The other club is a foreigner. And then the people who have investment and league growing and then everyone else was a self-interest vote. Yeah. yeah, the the big clubs of Huddersfield, Wakefield, Salford, LFC, Hull Kingston Rovers, and Castleford. And if you go and look up those places on Wikipedia, you'll see how small the populations are. Towns. Mm. Yeah, I'll just also, I will disappointed in Wigan. I think St. St Helens and Warrington are the only two. Like they're the only two teams from Merseyside, and the rest are either from Yorkshire or Manchester. So, yeah, pretty much. Um, oh, except for the two Hull teams. Yeah, true. They're from. Your castle uh, looks like about the sound, the size of like Ipswich or less. Smaller Ipswich is quite small. Yeah. Yeah. It's more like um, Wakefield's like what the equivalent of casino in northern New South Wales. God, professional. It's like if Byron team. Bay was in the NRL, I don't see the problem. 
Imagine how many players oh, wow. there are. Yeah. So, yeah, actually, Castleford has a population pretty much bang on with Orange. So, like 20, <laughs> like 20K, 15K. So orange, no, who is not good enough to have yeah. a state cup team. Yes. A real team. And they're voting on expansion. Mm. A variant of the sport more popular in the north of England. And, and I just want to say, like, I would never like, and I know they do get to vote over here, and we have the RLC and the, the clubs have a vote and everything. But like a fully governed game by the clubs would it never ever move forward. I never yep. want to be in that spot, and the Super League is in that spot, and here's where they are. I think it's like because it's a bit. The other sports is not exactly the same. Like in the Premier League, some of the clubs understand money. <laughs> they like well, money. Yeah, they're own own yeah, like own yeah, and they and they want to they want to push forward and expand, play more competitions. You know that kind of mm. stuff, but. In rugby league, it's pretty much about scrapping by and surviving every year. And, you know, these teams would st- stab their cousin across the road to, to be around the year after. Yeah. So it was pretty easy to to do that to the Wolfpack from over there. They got they got no worries about the Wolfpack's future because if they get to play in the Super League next year and bring back one of the buddies like Bradford, even better. And Bradford uh, has get good crowds. That's nice for us. I was going to say, know? we should probably mention what's looking to happen next year. So obviously, if there's no... Hmm. If the Toronto don't rebid, which we assume won't happen, then they they have not. So the <laughs> next year, yesterday, I think. Yeah. Oh, there you go. Um, and there are six. Which are Toulouse, London Broncos, Lee, Bradford, Featherston, and the York City Knights. Yeah. Uh, I'm just gonna look up. You were sitting Featherston. there in the Super League boardroom. Who would you pick out of that six? York, because they have <laughs> Vikings. So I, I, I think it's a two-horse race. I think Toulouse are actually a shot because they're going, well, look, see, we do want to expand. <laughs> you know, <laughs> Toulouse are a shot. And I, I think the other one's Bradford. And I, I sent you earlier, Lee, and we're talking about it. Like the application criteria they set was clearly set to make sure Bradford could apply. Like they yeah. set these barriers and, you know, the, the championship isn't a top six system but they said that you had to be, finish in the top six in the last years in the championship to bid. And that's because Bradford had finished six in one of those seasons. They also set the the average attendance bar at a certain size, the capacity, yeah, a certain size of capacity minimum. But the other one that was really funny is that they set an insolvency date and they said you couldn't be insolvent, last insolvent or liquidated prior to 20, 2018 January is when you could be insolvent last. But Bradford were insolvent in 2017. So like they pretty much which was their third insolvency event in five or six years. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So they had they pretty much and they also had some other criteria like social media followers, whatever garbage. But they that they pretty much drawn all those boundaries around when Bradford could f- catch into the net. That's where the net was set. Yeah. <laughs> where they, yeah. Where they could get into it. So, the great um, thing about that for me is that they've got all this criteria, but they will not tell you what the weighting of the criteria is. No. To me, I think that would be a legal for a tender process in Australia, but apparently in the UK that's fine. So I don't know how you actually bid for this if you don't know what you're being judged against realistically. Yeah. Well, I mean, training facilities, stadium capacity, financial performance, solvency events. We'll find out post fact like the other report, mate. We'll find out what the criteria <laughs> actually they've, was. They've already decided they want Bradford. They're just going to wait accordingly to come out with Bradford as the Yeah, and I think I think Toulouse is the other other shot. That's what I think out of all those. I don't think anyone else has a, sh- a real chance. But Bradford, no. and I get like Bradford. I understand their draw, 
like because they they do get decent crowds. They have historic. They they have been a big club over the history of Super League. But I feel like a club like Bradford will bounce back anyway. Yeah, they'll get there. They're not drawing anything to the Super League. They're just not. It's like the Newcastle United in English football. They're gonna be there. They'll come yeah. back. They, make 30, they have 30,000 people every week. They don't need to be, you know, pulled up by their bootstraps into the Super League. Yeah, that's it. And uh, they're at the, yeah, they are into their fourth time of being a footy club. They're allowed to let, let their previous debts go, by the way. Wolfpack, no. Radford for the fourth time. Fair <laughs> enough. But, uh, but yeah, that, yeah, they look like they'll be coming back in. I don't know. Maybe they'll come up here. The bids happened last night. I don't know when we find out who won I think those um, bids. Uh, I think we might be a week or two away from finding out. Yes, but all these guys who pick barbs at at, at at the Wolfpack, as you said, the Hull, KR, and Salford pretty much packed it in after the vote. After the vote, mm. you've got Brad forbidding to come back. You've got Lee, the owner of Lee, is making like all these financial promises. He's got no fucking way he's going to fulfil them. But <laughs> it's okay. We killed Wolfpack, and now everyone can just bullshit again. <laughs> the great thing is that the Super League clubs have already decided next season whichever club comes up. They are not getting the same amount of money as the existing clubs. They're getting much less because they've not had to endure operating through 2020. Yep. So sure. I think the other clubs get 1.6, 1.8 million pounds. New clubs getting only a million. And Lee Lee's owner has already admitted, oh, already offered to forego that million pounds if That's they it. Get That's his bargaining chip. That is fucking insane. It is. That's a million pounds to just. Lose money for a year, and they get relegated the year after anyway. Oh yeah, Boy, that's what's going right. to happen. But that's it. That's like yeah, exactly. Back to being goddamn paupers, as you said. They've all, all the clubs decide between themselves. They deserve more money than the others. Good on them. Yeah. Well done. And the club are pacing the Wolfpack because Wolfpack was getting zero dollars. Well, they can't get an equal share. They can get you know they didn't endure the tough year of twenty twenty. They got less. They didn't have to. They didn't have to pay for the COVID testing. So yeah, terrible. As a result of not operating at all and not getting any revenue. You can have less revenue. <laughs> yeah. your, your penalty for not having enough money is to have less money. Sorry to do this to you. Yeah. And then it's, it's kind of weird to say, but a London, not an expansion team. <laughs> Get them back in. At least they're south. Mm. I hold the record for being the best team that was relegated. So I think last year, last year they won... Out of thirty games or something like that. That's impressive. Or of any team that's finished last, they only finished behind Hull KR on points, yeah. which is a real shame. It is. Well, if people don't remember. That's the club the Broncos owned in the nineties. Yes, <laughs> briefly with that with that jersey, the the London colours with the four X sponsorship. Yeah, so showing on the front Dale of it. a picture of my. Oh, it's very nice. My jersey, but it's very similar. Nineteen ninety four London but, Broncos. But the, the weird thing is like so they were the London Crusaders, Brisbane Broncos get get joined in there. Anyway, they keep the Broncos name, but nothing else is like the Broncos brand. It's like why the yeah. fuck did you keep the Bronco? It looks a te- it's a terrible logo. I don't know why they kept it after they, they, after the Brisbane so Broncos were left. But Harlequins for a while. They were the Harlequins. Yeah. I think they tried to be Fulham again for a bit, and then just. Came- Back to being London Broncos. So. God, I missed the Fulham part again. <laughs> but they yeah, that... um, they have a real trouble establishing a place because they've kept changing home grounds as well, which has gone from 
when they first joined Super League in '96, they had a decent attendance. It was about mm. six thousand a game. Now they're lucky to get about two thousand a game in Super League last year. So that's a real drop off, and it's because they keep changing their home grounds yeah. and their branding. They just they've got no sense of their own identity. Yeah, as you said, mate, the clubs earlier, you know, Toronto Wolfpack averaging six to seven, eight, nine thousand a game, whatever. Again, the guys coming out only have to average 2,000. So that Wolfpack crowd was nothing to sniff at. They have to average 2,000 to replace them. That's how low the bar's been set. And, and cl- yeah, clubs like London, as you said, they barely hit that bar. Yeah. I, I've just looked, Knights were in League One two years ago. I, I looked up the, uh, the, the London Broncos home grounds. It's never a good sign when there's a, there's a Wikipedia article for your home grounds, a list. Uh, nine different grounds since 1980. They've played at Barnet, Barnet, the, the place they're playing now, which is kind of uh, in the east of, uh, sorry, in the west of London. They played at Craven Cottage when they were Fulham. They played at Twickenham, so they've played when they were when they were Harlequins there. They played at the Valley, which is Charlton's home ground, and they also played at the National Sports Centre at Crystal Palace, which is kind of like Lakeside Stadium in Melbourne. It's just a athletics track. Yeah, but yeah, they've been been all around the place, mate. They have a blue, black, and silver logo, and they they wear they play in black, white, and red. They make a whole mm. lot of sense Excellent. to London Broncos. What is going? What is happening? Their logo is terrible. Watch a Broncos home game. You'll see people playing tennis in the background on the adjacent community courts. I love this professional rugby league match. I love lower league. I love lower league European sports. Oh Lo- quote-unquote lower league slash... The- lower league slash, yeah. The top league. <laughs> I can't wait till they get promoted to the Super League and it's like, here here we've got this week's Sky Sports brought to you, you know, broadcast, and also we've got the West London uh, Ladies oh Tennis my- Championship. God, they're playing at a tennis club. Yeah. <laughs> it really looks like that. They're playing at a spot like even a... Wimbledon, a shit one. Yeah. yeah. Like, if you Google London, London Broncos home ground, you're getting about 15 different stadium pitches. But I've just found the one, the one reference for this year. It's like, they, they kind of look like they're playing at a tennis club. I didn't know London had areas look like this shit. Hmm. <laughs> but here we go. Uh, anyway, should we, should we try to start wrapping up? I realize how long we've been here. Should we start trying to wrap up our, our, our Wait, Super League thoughts? I was going to say last, that there was that last little note that you put on there, Liam. I'll leave that with you. The last chapter, which is the GoFundMe. Because so, I got oh broke, I guess. I, I, I don't know. And the club has no money. They started GoFundMe, set at £30,000 to pay back players and staff. I think they raised about 10000 after a couple of weeks. I personally did not give any money because old mate who's been mining the Amazon for potash should really be paying his bills. Also, you were being mm. bled dry by the uh, by the Patreon money. So. <laughs> the Patreon, yeah. yeah. Double um, dipping in your pocket, mate. $20, $30 there that I'll never get back. Oh, yeah. Mandela had a tough time in prison, but, like, did he have to give $30 to the Toronto Wolfpack? No, he did not. Yeah, it just yeah. this is just the hard pill in the end. The whole situation to swallow as a rugby league fan. Like, I, I think the game is better than what it is. I think, you know, it, it deserves to have a bigger audience than it does. And I know you guys feel the same. And, mm, and that, the, the thing is that this was like that beacon of hope that maybe something was actually happening in rugby league. Like whether we liked it or not, it was expanding. There was this and then Ottawa turned and it turned up. And then New York was turning up and the kangaroos are going to play the Wolfpack. And it was growing and Sonny Bill's playing for them. And it was like all this shit was happening and, whether you liked it or not, rugby league was gro- forcing it, you know, to gro- growth. It was just happening, and 
I was, I was all about that. And I think that the tough part is that like, you know, the players did their job that on match days. They won, they got promoted, they did their thing, they got to the top league. Yeah. The fans did their job, they turned up to the Wolfpack games, they did all their job, but you know, it didn't fucking matter because the administrators didn't and you know, our goal busted his ass, went out. Other administrators in, in other rugby league clubs didn't do their job. RFL didn't do their job. And it doesn't fucking matter that the fans of rugby league are left in the dirt again to just stuck in, you know, in the same spot and, and hold on, holding on to your love of this sport. And just, you know, I love this. I'm not letting it go. But it's just, it is what it fucking is. And it doesn't, really more than, it doesn't want to be more than that. It may say mm. it wants to be, but it really doesn't. Rugby yeah. league mostly wants to just be rugby league in the same areas, doing the same thing forever. Yeah, and that's it for the same crowd. You know, that we want to play, we want Jimmy Barnes at the grand final. We want to play suburban ground football. <laughs> we want to we want to play games in Sydney or at Leichhardt Oval. This was like the whole symptom of what rugby league actually is. And for a moment there, I got to see what I wanted rugby league to be, mm. and it's yeah. fucking gone. It's, it's, it's frustrating, as I said. It's very reminiscent of the Western Reds and the Adelaide Rams, and not so much like the Crushers and those other kind of like fill-in teams that we had in the ARL and Super League era. But, like, you had, as I said, you had, as we mentioned last week on the pod, you had Adelaide who had fantastic attendances when they played games in, in South Australia. We had mm-hmm. the Western Reds playing it at the Wacker, and they would have been, like, if you move a team to Perth now, you've got a perfectly purpose-built stadium over there at Perth Oval. You know, they, it's it's tough. It's a bitter, bitter pill to swallow when you watch teams from South Africa playing in the European like what used to be called the, the Celtic League, the top 14 now. And you've got them playing over there instead of playing, which is probably what will happen with Super Rugby, is they'll go and play in Europe because it's in the same time zone. Like, yes, it's a, a painful flight, but it's better for everybody commercially. And as I said, you've got Major League Rugby starting up and you're potentially going to have a team in, you know, New York and Philly and Toronto and all these other, like, college towns that are going to be potentially taking, you know, not, not just sponsorship dollars, but eyeballs away from the sport that we all love. And it's frustrating to sit back here and be like, oh, cool, really looking forward to going to checks notes. Witness. <laughs> <laughs> and yet three teams winning it for the last 15 years. I love one of them winning Lee. Again. I'm a big fan of Lee Sports Arena. I don't even know. Yeah, it's just, it's frustrating, as I said, to sit here and kind of watch the league and the sport sit on its hands. And that's one thing that we've spoken about so much in like terms of international rugby league and the, the growth of the international rugby league specifically in the Pacific um, over the last few years with these teams play with, with the rules with NRL players being able to represent the country of their, or like country of their heritage or origin. Uh, if they're not picked for the kangaroos or for, or for state of origin teams. Um, like that's what, that's what we all want to see. That's what we all, mm-hmm. we want to see that level of growth and that level of intensity of, of, um, you know, support, but, if you don't, it, it, they they often say that you know, good, rich people don't get rich by spending money, but like you kind of have to invest. As Mitch said before, you have to invest the money to grow. And the players and the fans, they all did their jobs, and they've got nothing to show for it. Yeah, and and funny you mentioned the internationals, Dale, because you're talking about people. It's really nice seeing those guys play for their international side. Mm. Yeah, well, we're going to make them play Origin, so fuck that. (laughs) (laughs) Origin goes back to where Rugby League goes back to where it was. Exactly. It stays the same forever. It's great. Anyway, anything Uh, you want to say before we wrap up? I was going to say, Liam, closing arguments. Uh, Rugby League never fails, uh, never misses an opportunity to miss an opportunity. Loves it. Yeah, Which is not my quote. That is Tony Collins, and that is the best sport. 
Yes. yes. Alrighty. Well, thank you so much for being I'll, on I'll with us today, today uh, Liam. It's been a, it's been a, it's been an eye opener, and uh, your love of both your cat and Kaiju Crush has brought you know <laughs> great, great joy to me. Ah, <laughs> uh, oh, well, cat, a cat of great taste, clearly. Uh, but yeah, as I said, thank you for joining us. No, thanks for having me. Um, and with that, I think we'll wrap it up. Mitch, do you have any uh, anyone you want to plug? Anyone I want to plug? <laughs> yeah, just, just I want to get it out there. We may as well. Um, no, we're gonna give boom thirsties. We'll give Liam another plug of, of his website. I haven't actually looked at a lot of the off-season ones, but I'm sorry to say that I haven't looked at money the, the shallow dies by the state of origin one. Uh, but go on pythagonrl.com. Have a, have a, give it, have a read. Follow him on Twitter. Uh, if you want to see yeah, more anger about Super League stuff, I'm sure he'll be sharing more Wolfpack anger over the coming weeks. It's the off-season mm. after all. Yes, this se- yeah. seems to be a bottomless well where that is coming from. <laughs> I basically get up at 4 or 5 a.m. with my new ba- newborn baby daughter and um, sit there and scroll through Twitter, getting increasingly angry and retweeting pro Wolfpack. <laughs> that seems like a good and healthy way to live your life. <laughs> yeah. Well, as okay. I said... Thank you for coming on. Um, say goodbye, Liam. Goodbye. Say goodbye, Mitch. Goodbye, Mitch. And as always, it's goodbye from me.